Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Cult X, your go-to uh, show <laughs> for all things pop culture from Gabe and I, Danny's Gen X point of view. Um, thank you so much for tuning in again to our show. Uh, if you didn't see on our social medias, there's one thing that I'm really excited about and really happy about, and Gabe, you know this, it's our approval for press badges at WonderCon. It's something that's really exciting to me for some strange reason. It almost feels like it, it validates what we're doing here on the show, that we're a an official. <laughs> exactly. It, legit, it legitimizes us. We're no longer the bastard child. Yeah, I like that. So so thank you, everyone, for your continued support. We'll be sure to see you at WonderCon if you're going to go. Um, yeah, just really exciting. Yeah, well, we'll probably have to do like a live something there, right? Oh, we should. That'd be kind of cool. Just like a live Instagram so or something. Last year, I, was it last year or the year before, I ran into Ed at WonderCon. Okay. So he's a previous guest that we could talk to. Ed Luce, yeah. Terry might be there. We'll have to hit up everyone that we've talked to to see who's going yeah. and just do, get some like... another maybe future guest that also I met at WonderCon. Okay. Uh, so... You know who I'm talking about, I think, but mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it yet. Um, <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of people that are, I mean, Comic-Con and WonderCon are where, you know, the intersection of everything pop culture when it comes to mm -hmm. comic books, writers, draw, uh, artists, uh, you know, TV, film, all of that stuff. So a lot of cool people. So I'm really excited. Hopefully we can meet up with some old friends. Maria Wolf might be there. Oh, I know yeah. she definitely is at Comic-Con. Um, so uh yeah so we might we might meet up with some old yeah. friends so that'd looking, be fun looking forward to it um i just realized that i look like a member of los lobos for some reason today <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that los lobos is I a great band i i just bought uh a, an album and so tell me i'm uh. right. <laughs> you do you could fit right in there yeah so, anyway uh, I just I, I caught a reflection of myself, and so I, I, I had to make fun of it. But speaking of music, uh, last night was the Grammy Awards. Um, mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to watch? I did not watch any of it. I heard some reactions. Yeah. Um, two things that really stood out to me, but I don't know if you want me to tell my things first because probably some of them are in line with what you're going to yeah, say. We'll, we'll do. We'll go back and forth. So, what was the number okay. one thing that you you heard? Number of it, like one thing that pattern? really stood out to me was viola davis winning the grammy for her audiobook and now she is another oh, right. member of the egot mm -hmm. she is now an egot so congratulations to her i think that's like was the biggest thing that really stood out to me was that yeah uh, um like i said i didn't really watch it so another record breaker was beyonce has now won the most grammys of any person oh, wow. so i think she has won like I don't know, 19, 20, something ridiculous wow, like that. That's crazy. So um she was a big winner. Um, mm -hmm. one of the other things that I think that the internet is like buzzing about is Sam Smith, his performance at uh the Grammys. He I think kind of leaned into the controversy of his song Unholy. A lot of people are, you know, saying it's evil, he's evil, he's gay, he's I'm sorry, they are non-binary. Um, Kim Petras, who is the lead, the co-singer on the song, um, is a transgender woman. So obviously people have opinions about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and they really leaned into it. it. It They came out almost in like a satanic, like all red. Nice. All red. <laughs> um, had like some bondage necklace on. He had at one point had like horns on his top hat. Um, they had two very famous uh, drag performers uh Violet Chachkin got Mick performing with them. And so um I really enjoy that. I like when people push people's buttons. Um mm -hmm. Madonna is actually the one that introduced uh them uh to the audience that they were about to perform. And she said when you know you're pushing people's buttons or when you're being called you know evil or dangerous or things like that, that means you're doing something good. Mm -hmm. Um and I happen to agree. I think that that um when people stop start pushing back about you know rights for for everyone and we need people like Sam Smith to kind of push the the boundaries further yeah. and kind of push back and I think that's what he did and it was really entertaining and I loved it. Um, Noah Trevor, who was a host, said, you know, oh, like he pretended to be on the phone with his mom and said, you know, oh, my mom warned me about Hollywood, which <laughs> I think sort of the ongoing joke that you know everyone in Hollywood worships Satan or mm -hmm. is a worshiper. Um, 
it, it just it's such a ridiculous like thing that I, I love that they made fun of that and sort of leaned into that that rumor or that controversy. Um, I think he even like kind of flashed like an Illuminati kind of symbol at one point. Um, there's a lot of artists that do that, that like know that there's rumors about them and then sort of lean into it and kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always appreciate when they do that because it's so stupid. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Um, rumors are just ridiculous and they're, especially when they're unfounded. Um, so that was a big thing. Bad Bunny had a big moment last night. He performed, um, he did win uh, a, an award a grammy last night but everyone was like kind of up on their feet dancing when he performed um other winners were uh taylor swift i believe beyonce uh brandy carlisle won um and then best new artist who i was really um am excited to hear about because i am not aware of her but samara joy she's a jazz singer and oh. uh, sort of in the line of sarah vaughn um sort of in that that sort of sound or Dinah Washington. She has an amazing voice. I was listening to her last night prior to going to sleep. And if you're a fan of jazz, definitely check her out. She won for best new uh, best artist, right? Yeah. And uh, and so she is she's great. Um, some of the other people, uh, Lizzo won for about damn time for best record, which was really cool to see because she has started to symbolize, um, I think, uh, a, like a real positivity among amongst the negativity mm-hmm. in music industry she really sings upbeat songs she tries to be really positive she her speech was about that saying that when prince died she kind of vowed to make uplifting positive music that was fun and she's really done that and um i kind of commend her for for sticking to her guns one of the the biggest probably upsets of the night was for best song um i'm gonna if you haven't heard have you heard who won first of all I looked at the list briefly. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wow, really? Yeah. So for so those who have it, um, the, the nominees are Beyonce, Harry Styles, Lizzo, Taylor Swift, Jay-Z, uh, Steve Lacey, Adele, um, Kendrick Lamar, huge, huge people, right? Popular and Bonnie Raitt and Bonnie Raitt won for just like that. Right. And I about died. I thought it was so great that all these young people, um, that I like, like, don't get me wrong, but you know, the songs are like 18 writers, yeah, producers yeah. and all this stuff. And Bonnie Raitt was like best song written Bonnie Raitt. And you kind of have to respect that, that one person mm-hmm. wrote the song and it was, you know, respected as best song of the year. Obviously these wards are, you kind of take them with a grain of salt. Like, is it the best song? It's up to your own personal opinion, but um, she's been like a rad, cool chick, like since forever, since we were yeah. like mm-hmm. kids. Middle school. school. Yeah. Yeah, she's just a really cool blues, you know, kind of a singer songwriter, and so I was glad to see her uh, to win that. Yeah, what that I remember hearing her. I think it was on like VH1 a lot, listening to whenever getting ready for school. My mom would have VH1 on in the morning for some reason. When I wanted MTV, she had VH1, but the, I heard a lot of Bonnie Raitt songs. So her and yeah. Katie Lang. We're on like repeat. But, yeah, Katie Lang was a really great singer as well. Oh, yeah. I miss them. There, there, I mean, I feel like our uh, when we were going to high school, there was such a good mixture of music. Like we had like Katie mm-hmm. Lang, we had mixed with Nirvana or mixed with mm-hmm. Tori Amos and Rage Melissa Against. Etheridge. And yeah. Yeah. There was just like it was so like you could just skip from different genre to genre. And now mm-hmm. everything is just all homogenized, but before I even get started on like my, <laughs> box, I'm gonna stop myself. But um, you know, that was pretty much like most of the Grammy stuff that I kind of caught. What was the other thing that caught your attention? Well, two other things that caught my attention. First was when I was perusing the winner list. Um, I didn't know Ozzy Osbourne had released a new new music, but he won like two awards, I think. Oh, really? Well, yeah, for like best alternative album and then best metal performance or something like that. And then the other one that really stood out at least that I saw caught attention on Twitter was Harry Styles winning album of the year. And then subsequently going out and doing a very lackluster performance. So I, I didn't catch it. So that's just what I'm hearing. I, I, th- I thought his? his performance was fine. I'm not the biggest Harry Styles fan. My niece is, uh, <laughs> I've mentioned that before. Savannah is like his number one fan. Um, I think that a lot of people were disappointed that Beyonce didn't win for Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a good album. 
Uh, that's the thing with the award shows is that it's it's based off of people who vote who are part of the academy. Right. And their opinion is just like everyone else's. It can be varied. They could think one thing is better than the other, and more people just happen to vote for for Harry than um, you know than than uh, Beyonce at this time. But my vote would have been for Beyonce. Um, I think Harry is a talented man. Um, I think you know I I, I don't begrudge his talent. Um, but having listened, trying to listen to his whole album, there's like p- pieces that I like, whereas Beyonce's album, I can listen basically mm. from beginning to mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a little bit of an originality thing when it comes to Beyonce's album, because there is so much mixed in. Like she has a lot of different artists, like remixed samples in it that it does kind of evoke your nostalgia. So maybe Uh, I I like it a little bit more is because Mm -hmm. she has like Donna Summer, Grace Jones, Khalees was on there, Big Frida. There's so Madonna, like so many different things like remixed in her music that it's so like layered that like, do you like it because it's a really good album or is it like kind of nostalgic? Um, But at the end of the day, it's just a really good dance album. So yeah, my energy, I think today we were trying to get Beyonce tickets. We were not successful. (laughs) We're going to see her on tour. Uh, (laughs) But that was like the big news from the Grammys. Uh, The performances, I think Sam Smith stuck out for me. Uh, Bad Bunny. Uh, and pretty much that's it, I think. Oh, and the hip hop, there was a hip hop tribute of like yeah. 50 years of hip hop that had uh, LL Cool J. I mean, it, there was just a laundry list of rappers, uh, Salt and Peppa, uh, Too Short, uh, the Ghetto Boys. Wasn't Busta on there? Busta Rhymes doing like his his rapid fire, mm-hmm. um, rapping. Um, some of the people were like okay, some were really good, some are legends and iconic. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I feel like the Grammys, the producer, like the production of that little mm. thing wasn't as good as it what it could have been. The mm. set for the Grammys was kind of lackluster. I, I feel like I've seen better, uh, like, you know, the lineup being somewhat the same, but like better production and giving them more time to shine. This was like really quick. Um, they didn't really introduce them all that well. Uh, Queen Latifah was there. I, I, they did a good job. It just, I think they they could have done a little bit better job producing the whole number itself. Ice T came out, so I mean, it was really cool, but they could have done a better job. Okay, so let's go ahead and um, get that email sent to the producers of the Grammys for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Here are our notes for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other fun thing that that kind of occurred is like you saw a lot of people just being themselves. Like Doja Cat cool. was like doing shots. Uh, ben Affleck is famously making like bored faces. Like I, I kind of curious of like when does Ben Affleck have fun? Because he always <laughs> like he's sad and bored, depressed. <laughs> and it's like when does he ever have fun? Like he has to have fun, but I just never see it. It just always seems like he's always bored and and over it. I don't know. Um, Beyonce should have late. To the Grammys, which was kind of funny. She won an award. Rogers <laughs> had to to come accept it on her behalf because <laughs> still stuck in traffic. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of a behind the scenes on that because how could you be late to the Grammys? Even even knowing traffic, you're gonna plan ahead, right? Everyone else got there on time. I don't know. I I just it, and I'm sure that she probably had like maybe police escort. Yeah. Um, he's that famous and that rich so who knows but uh, that was kind of a funny funny bit to it but um, <laughs> other than that, yeah it, uh, that was like kind of my weekend was watching the grammys um i also watched another episode of poker face um have you had a chance to to catch up on it or to begin well i started it so i threw episode two and it's just it is a great show it really is it's the writing's great the the tone of the overall show is just really really fun not well fun to us as audience members but it's really just you know riveting storytelling so congrats again to ryan johnson for creating this this character of charlie what's her name charlie something the natasha leon character and i i like the fact that they're using benjamin bratt as like this backstory you know that's going to weave throughout all the episodes so i really appreciate that so i'm yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more 
Yeah, it it was. I mean, it's a really great show. I kind of have the same enthusiasm that I had for like Ted Lasso season one, where I'm like telling everyone to watch it because I don't want it. <laughs> I think that it's such a great show. Like the guest stars are great. The acting mm-hmm. is really great. Um, Natasha is so charismatic. All of the little like one shot actors and actresses that are in it as guest stars are really, really good. Um, so I'm just hoping everyone can watch it. So if you haven't watched it, please uh, go on to Peacock and watch uh, Poker Face because it's a really good show. I agree. Yeah. Completely. Um, I did see uh, a Salma, an interview on Selma Hike, and she was talking about um, being really nervous presenting at the Oscars. I think she was talking about how um, she gets really like sweaty palms she starts shaking like her stomach gets upset she has to do like a shot of tequila and it was really surprising because she's an oscar nominated actress she's like one of the most like heavily photographed like you know she does Mm -hmm. magazines she does interviews um and it kind of got me wondering like i'm kind of curious how many actors and performers are have stage fright because i I know a couple like janet jackson is famously kind of have state has stage fright uh beyonce has stage fright which like is crazy that someone that popular and that entertaining could have stage fright um and that they have sort of alter egos to help battle those that stage fright and and so like it made me wonder like how many people that are quote famous or are great entertainers and performers like when you get them outside of their little bubble mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in front of either on stage mm-hmm. or behind camera are like petrified to speak in public when it's not a script or that's them being their own natural self. I can say a lot. Well, speaking personally, I mean, performing when you get to portray a character or be someone other than yourself, it's mm-hmm. easy. But then for me, when I had to do a speech or, um, you know, talk as myself, like you like some high nerves kick in, you know, because yeah. you have you have to be vulnerable as yourself, I guess. Um, I think Will Farrell is famous for when he always does interviews. That's why he comes out in like a character all the time. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't like um being himself on stage or in front of an audience. Yeah. It's so, interesting yeah. because I feel like I can like I'll I'll do like let's say karaoke or like a speech or um, speaking to a, a large audience, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem doing that. I don't get nervous, but social situations like going to a party is what really freaks me out. Oh. And, and it's similar to what you were saying with Will Ferrell is like, well, when you have to be yourself and like engage with someone versus you're putting on a performance, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. even if you're, you're still, you're, it's not a character you can sort of pretend to be that confident person that's presenting information at work, or you can pretend to be like the professional. Um, but when you're in a social situation and someone is trying to get to know you, you have to be sincere unless you're yeah. like a psychopath. And, <laughs> and so it's harder <laughs> for some people, I think, to be able to do that. But um, I'm curious what, how stars deal with that, like how performers deal with that, of that anxiety and that um uh, you know that little self-saboteur like that voice mm-hmm, in their head that mm-hmm. says you know you're not good enough or you know they're all gonna laugh at you things like that so <laughs> yeah i hear you and i want but you not to in a good a... way they're all gonna laugh at you but not in a good way right i want you to put a pin in that question i want you to put it right there in the forefront for for our guest that we have coming up later on in this episode that's right and because she speaks she's uh has a master's degree in performance psychology so it's a perfect question to ask her and she will be joining us shortly so um a couple things i watched over the weekend just real quick i watched um the movie tar with kate blanchett oh yeah it was a great movie it was like just like uh about the composer tar's life lydia tar and what she goes through how she's on top of the world and at the end she comes down to where I guess she always not ridiculed or made fun of, but she ends up at the bottom. But yeah. Kate Blanchett performance was Oscar worthy. So I can very well easily see her winning the Oscar for that. Um, to keep it heavy, I also watched the movie She Said. And by the time I was done watching the movie She Said, I was like, 
F Harvey Weinstein. I want, well, I'll say that before, but now even more <laughs> because, you know, the, the movie's about the article or the New York Times article taking down Harvey Weinstein. Thank goodness they took him down because that guy's a piece of work. Yeah. Um, and then to lighten up the mood and make it a little bit lighter, I watched a movie called Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Which I guess, it, I think it's based on a children's book. So it's about a singing, dancing crocodile called Lyle. And it was a lot of fun. The songwriters, um, the original songs in there were the same team that wrote Dear Evan Hansen. So it's had that sort of style to it. And I could, when I was hearing the songs, I, I could hear them, their style in it. So it was pretty cool. That was fun. I, I forgot that I actually saw this movie. And it's funny because... It somewhat has two characters that are similar to us that host their own podcast. But um, have you seen uh, or heard about You People? Yes, I so watched, it. watched it. Yes. Okay, so that. I'm really curious what your thoughts are because I had very strong opinions about this. Okay. I would give it like two stars out of five. I was greatly disappointed with the movie. And and I'll tell you why. What were what would your what was your rating? Um out of five. Out of five, like two and a half. It was right run of the middle. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Uh, it had its moments. Um, I think uh I don't know the actor's name, but the the one who played uh across from Jonah Hill as his podcast partner. I thought she did a great job. Yeah. Um yeah, she was and she really stood out to me. She that role and that character and just the whole vibe around her, I thought was really great. Yeah, uh, the both of them. The it, it was Mo, and it's Sam J. Mo, yeah, that, the actor that played uh, that particular character. Um, so here's the thing: I liked the actors. I thought that they are all really great actors. Um, I think that the thing that and I, I really love the camera, camera. So let me back up. I'm talking to you. <laughs> so backing up. It's about two characters that fall in love. Jonah Hill, who is a Jewish American person, born mm -hmm. um, in London, who's a black Muslim American. Um, and it's sort of the clash of two worlds, right? Sort of a retelling yeah. of like, guess who's coming to dinner um, with Eddie Murphy playing uh, her father, Akbar, Nia Long playing Fatima, her mother, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing Jonah it's Hill. Fantastic, mom, yeah. And David Duchovny playing Arnold, his father. So uh, Sam J is his his uh, best friend, co-host of his podcast. He's sort of like a hip hop head, you know, really into hip hop culture. Um, so sort of like a cultured white guy, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, where it goes wrong for me is that it makes both sets of groups of people look ridiculous. So <laughs> Lulu Dreyfus, who is an amazing actor, she's so talented, was so wasted on this, plays the most vapid sort of ignorant um just not realistic person i know that racist people exist and this was sort of trying to be like a liberal person who doesn't know any better that was sort of the the archetype that they were trying to make fun of someone who claims that they're liberal but says the wrong things says like little microaggressions and i think that that could have been very funny and it also could have been really enlightening for us to see a character like that but it was just so over the top and so ridiculous, um, you know, like her accidentally pulling a black woman's wig off um, her, uh, you know, ba her basically wanting to say, like, can I touch your hair? It's so cool. Like, you're so cool. You're a black girl. Like, I'm going to have black grandbabies. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, it was just very heavy handed. The Eddie Murphy and Neil Long character play conservative Muslim Americans. Uh, but then they go and do things that don't make sense. Like they're they're drinking alcohol, which if you are a Muslim conservative American, I would assume that that's not thing you do. Say this really quickly before Rachel comes on, our, our, our guest. Uh, but then there's certain things that they're doing that is like completely against. So like the Muslims look horrible. The Jews look horrible. The only people that look good are the kids. But it's not enough to stretch it into a really good movie. The end. Two stars. Don't watch it. <laughs> fair that's enough my, that's my my uh 15 second review <laughs> <laughs> well, the only thing that really stood out to me that i didn't really like was how how they had to make it a neat and tidy disney ending yeah yeah they learned their lesson like that and it wrapped up very nicely the, the writing was really bad it was really bad writing 
And and like I'm not Jewish like you are, but I found some of the the things that were being said kind of really in poor taste and really in poor timing, considering like the whole anti-Semitism that's going on right now, um, particularly in hip hop with Kanye West. I thought that it was really ill-timed and um, really unfair to the Jewish community to paint them in the way that they were painted. Um, and granted, it's one family that they were focusing on. They weren't saying all Jewish people are like this, but in this particular climate, I, I felt uncomfortable and fought, found that it was a little cringy. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jonah Hill did co-write it, so I kind of... I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Gabe, I told you to put a pin in that question. And the reason I told you that, because our next guest interviewed is with Rachel Cohen. So Rachel is a... Uh, she calls herself, I guess, a mental skills strategist, which is an interesting title. And it's something that until Rachel brought it up to me, I had never heard of before. So welcome to the show, Rachel. How are you tonight? Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Yeah, so give us a brief rundown of what performance consulting is just for someone like me before who might not have ever heard of this field. Definitely. So what it is, is mental skills, strategies, and techniques that basically help people to authentically perform, which leads you to optimal performance. So usually the people that I work with are artists, athletes, business people, or those in high-risk careers where mm -hmm. managing emotions um, play a really important role. That's that's really cool. I mean, I know you have a... a um very long track record working within different fields. I was going to say you wore many hats, but I think it might be more apropos to say you've worn many shoes um, <laughs> in your yes. career. So uh, I know you have your BA in dance and a um, emphasis in musical theater. You have your MA in per your performance psychology. Um, and you recently did a, which I thought was really cool, a workshop for the San Francisco Opera which um, was called, hold on, I have it right here, the Collaborative Mindset and Empathy Training. Can you give us a little uh, deeper what that means for collaborative mindset and empathy training? Sure. So what I was doing was working with the front of house for the San Francisco Opera, which is also the San Francisco Ballet at the War Memorial oh. Opera House. And so I was basically giving like an overview of performance training and psychology to uh, to the people, the staff of the front of house. So giving them the ideas on what performance psychology is and then giving them specific things to do. And then we would break out into, into moments and practice. Very interesting. And so, so I'm curious, um, Rachel, for those of us that aren't involved in, in the industry as, um, such as yourself, um, I, I'm a little bit surprised that entertainers or performers, um, people that are in, in high risk jobs like in business, would have that sort of anxiety. Because I think that from the outside in, we always see people like, let's say, Beyonce and think, oh, she was just born with it. Right. She's just a natural born entertainer. How could she have stage fright? But um, how does it, how does that um, occur that someone who is able to go on stage and just really blow away an audience? also have stage fright at the same time. So I think what we see when, when we see a performer just being their like best self is that they're in flow. And that's when a lot of like body functions kind of stop and they are just <laughs> in their element. But a lot of that has to do with all the prep work that goes into doing that performance. So someone may not necessarily be their best version of themselves on stage if they haven't gone through all of these steps, like knowing the lines, you know, knowing the words, knowing the choreography. <laughs> so then they're confident in those pieces. So they're not even thinking about the steps and the music and the words so that they can actually perform. Nice. So when, when people have to go present an award or have to give an interview as themselves, May they just lack that confidence in doing that? The confidence, yes. And there are things that you can do like before you have a presentation. So there you can do a number of things like meditation 
or some breathing techniques, or if you know there are certain parts of your presentation that you're worried about, there can be physical cues that you can do that will kind of calm you down. So you can like tap your watch or you can, you know, put your hair behind your ear. And this is like a physical Uh cue, like, take a minute. (laughs) But people don't know, they don't see it. They don't know it. It's something very like subtle, but it's a reminder of these techniques that people can practice ahead of time. So now I'm going to watch people when they give interviews or speeches to see if they're doing any sort of little tricks like that. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised. So I'm um, curious, how does those those skill sets, how, how, like, let's say someone in our audience who is watching our podcast or listening, how can they take some of those skill sets and apply them to, you know, their everyday life when they have maybe social anxiety or maybe they're they're anxious because they have to give a presentation at work? Um, what are some, you know, you mentioned a few tips right now of what they could do. What would be like one good takeaway for someone who's watching this podcast um, that could help them feel more comfortable going into those type of situations? Oh, sure. I would say probably the easiest and most simple yet most effective uh, thing that somebody can do is uh, a number of breathing techniques. And uh, what I have people do is like take three deep breaths, like, you know, breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your, you know, your mouth or your nose, depending on where you're at and, you know, how appropriate it is if people are looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you do that, so you can breathe three times, you know. and then move on with whatever you're doing. But there are other added things that you can do too. So another technique is to, when you're breathing through your nose, you do what's called diaphragmatic breathing. So when you breathe in, you're you're expanding your diaphragm, kind of like singers, mm-hmm. so that the your blood oxygenates better. Um, that's one of the reasons why you actually breathe through your nose because it gets to your cells. Um, and oxygenates your blood a bit better. That's why a lot of yoga people in yoga um, breathe through their nose. But what you can do as you breathe out is what's called autogenic training. So you're breathing in like you normally do. But as you breathe out, you do this thing called autogenic training, which is like systematically relaxing certain parts of your body. So you're going to like talk to yourself and be like, unwrinkle your forehead, relax your cheeks, unclench your jaw. Breathe again, breathe, you know, through your nose and out, relax your shoulders, unclench your pelvis, relax <laughs> your quads. So, so you can kind of like talk your body, I would say top to bottom and relax things and then do it again. And because what I find too is that you'll breathe in and like relax this part, do another breath, relax the next part, do another breath, relax the next, you know, half of your body. By the time you get to another breath, everything else has gone back to what it normally does, which is ten <laughs> So you keep repeating this because your body just wants to go to what it's used to, which is tension in certain places. And so you're teaching yourself that you're basically tricking your mind. When you breathe and relax your body, you're basically calming yourself. And so your body's going to be calm. So it tells your mind to be calm. Nice. Wow. Interesting. I, I have anxiety kind of in a so like generalized, you know, non-performance related sense. I was sharing with Danny that I can give speeches, I can, you know, be on a podcast and I'm fine, but it's social social situations that give me anxiety where I'm, you know, having to be my sincere or authentic self. Not that I'm not here, but um, I feel like, you know, when you're developing relationships, it's a different type of or aspect of your personality that's on display um, versus when you're on or you're performing. Uh, and and I'm, I've heard of a lot of performers that have a sort of second personality and they sometimes even name that alter ego. Have you ever come into performers that have that like famously Beyonce has Beyonce, you know, the everyday person and then Sasha Fierce who is, you know, the great entertainer. Have you ever run into anyone in your your uh, teachings and learnings that has something similar to that? I have. And I think part of it has to do with getting comfortable with who you really are. So until you can get to that point, mm. you create the person that you'd like to be. So this idealized self. So hopefully, eventually you actually become that person that you're, um, you've created 
But until then, you kind of fake it till you make it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always heard. Fake it till you make right? it. It's like yeah. my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also um, have a background in theater and dance. Um, and you recently were in a production of Rent up there in yeah. San Francisco. Wow. Um, and you were I, the dance captain, correct? I was, yes. I've, so I've always wondered, what does a dance captain do? Sure. So really, I'm in charge of knowing all the choreography for every single person on stage. Wow. And then <laughs> in and in knowing that, if somebody gets sick or hurt or something happens, there's a new person who comes in. So if you, it's often, oftentimes people are, there are understudies, there are swings. Mm -hmm. So it's communicating with the people that are coming in to make sure they know, you know, where to go and what to do. And in the production that I was in, almost every ensemble member was also double cast as um, a main role. And oh. so most performances were different. So every single time we performed, it was like, hey, there's four of us. Hey, there's eight of us. Oh, I have a solo today. <laughs> so knowing where to be, especially for safety, but also so that you can keep the um, the artistic, um, basically so that you're honoring the people who have created the production. You don't want to just make something up. You want to make sure that you're in line with the goal of the production and the look mm -hmm. of the production. It's really oh. cool. How was that? How was that participating in that musical? I think that Rent was sort of like the musical for our generation, right? So, similar to how Hamilton is for like a younger audience today, or you know, now been a couple years. Growing up, Rent was just like so powerful and meaningful to people in like the Gen X, uh, you know, generation. Um, how was it like being part of that that cast? It was absolutely incredible. This cast. I have only one other time had a cast like this where every single person came in and was just committed and loved what they were doing. They were prepared. They sincerely cared about each and every person. And so, you know, somebody would be like, get a minute's notice that they were going to be the lead. So everyone would run <laughs> around and like get, get angels, angels makeup on because, you know, all of a sudden angel is not, in his normal stage makeup, he is now going to be a woman. So, you know, three of us are doing hair and makeup and like making sure that the costumes are in order. And so I think there was such camaraderie and collaboration mm -hmm. and a love of theater, but also a love of each other. And I feel like it was just the most ideal situation. I hadn't done theater in years and this was perfect way to like enter back into the scene. Nice. Uh, when you mentioned Angel, that the thought occurred to me, while wow, having let you know, let's say you're you're another character and you're dancing, and then to have to go into Angel and and then say you're gonna have to do this choreography, but like <laughs> you know, how how intimidating that would be. And then it occurred to me that you know what's that famous quote that about Fred Fred uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like oh she did everything, but like in heels and backwards, and mm -hmm. you know <laughs> that you have to have for you know. Uh, people that dance in heels um is is i can't even imagine it <laughs> it's wild i mean jumping and cartwheeling as our production had it yeah it's definitely you know that's another reason uh why you have a dance captain to go over like fight choreography and so anything that's dangerous like jumping off of a table or a punch or a push we go over all of those things every single night before the show to practice wow. so that nobody actually gets hurt <laughs> Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Fight choreography. That's fun. <laughs> now, did you um how would you say that you've taken from your theater background and how would you say you've used that knowledge and that experience to translate it into your performance consulting? Well, I think that's just one piece that I use, and which is why I feel like I'm in the right place right now. Um, in the past, I wasn't sure that all of the random things that I did were <laughs> valuable. But what I'm finding is that, you know, the restaurant management that I did, the theater for, you know, performing and like um, back of house mm -hmm. 
tech work that I've done, but also like the track and field and the cross country and the marathon training. All of these experiences help me to have compassion and empathy for my clients. And so that I can not only relate in theory, but I can actually relate to what they're going through their process. And so when somebody, you know, shares information with me, it's very, very often I share a story of something that I've done in the past, not to boast, but just to relate so that they know that I know what they're talking about. So like, it's much more, people trust you much more when they know that you've gone through what they've gone through. Absolutely. I, I kind of think of, I, I've kind of battled with, with weight and weight loss and weight gain. And when I'm looking for a trainer, I often look at someone who's lost weight themselves, because how can you relate to me if you've always been fit and muscular your whole life and you don't know what it's like to have to lose a large amount of weight? Um, or similarly, my therapist that I see um, also has dealt with mental health in her personal life. And so I have a... Um, an additional sense of security that it's, you know, I'm talking to someone that really understands what I'm going through as well. So um, I, I, I very much agree with what you were saying there. <laughs> Thank you. What, um, what would you say to someone who's thought or thinking about doing something like this, but there's always been like that stigma around going to therapy or seeing someone in that realm of psychology stuff? How could you what would you say to them to get them over that to go ahead and you know what, just do it for your own well-being? Well, one, I would say that, you know, performance psychology, although the word psychology is in the terminology, <laughs> it, it's really focused on strategies and techniques okay. um, that are mental, mentally focused, but we're not diving into eating disorders <laughs> or any of these things. I'm not qualified to talk about that. What we're really trying to do is to get you in the mental space to do the best that to be the best version of yourself, to do the best that you can. So you've made it thus far without any of this guidance. But just imagine how far you can go, how elevated and how um, if you're trying to make a jump, like you want to shave off time in a marathon or if you're doing an ultra marathon and you're just you've hit a wall. This is a way that you can push yourself beyond where you've already been. And so I think, you know, what's the harm? What's the harm in seeing how far you can go? That's true. Do you find it more helpful for your potential clients to come in with a particular goal in mind? Or do you also help assess what that next level or what that next goal would be? So, you know, maybe they've hit a plateau and they feel a little just like, maybe they can't verbalize it, but they just kind of feel like, you know, they had, they can't do any more. And can you help them kind of formulate that into what their next oh. goal would be? Definitely. So I have had clients where they came in and said, like, I want help with this. But what, for example, some, my first client came in and they wanted help with um, performance anxiety. Well, we solved that in two hours. And then we were done. <laughs> and, but, but, and so for me, I was like, that is not a good lesson for my first client because that's going to give me a very big ego. <laughs> but what we realized is that in that, in discussing all of that, we like the process, there were so many other topics we could, you know, talk about. And so the next session, it was like, well, okay, so we handled that. What else is there? And so because it's like individualized and because it's self-directed, the person will just start talking and I will like pull out certain things that I hear and see and mirror. And I think naturally the topics and the goals come out like organically. So we'll just talk about something and then I'll repeat it and like ask them to expand. And then through that, I create homework for them to do between this session and the next session. So it's almost like, um, like I don't really know what's going to happen in the session till it happens. So I don't have homework or a plan because who knows what's going to happen. So it is actually really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I have to be ready <laughs> for anything. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, do you have clients outside of your region do you do like tell it like consulting over 
video or um, do you mainly stick to Northern California? Um, if one of our audience uh, members down here in Southern California or in Las Vegas or really anywhere in the world mm -hmm. wanted to to have you as a consultant, would they would that be available for them through you know uh, Zoom or something? Absolutely. So I started my this consulting uh, business during you know COVID, where people weren't meeting or weren't comfortable meeting. And so yes, many of my clients were actually my first client was in LA. Um, another one of my clients is in San Diego. And so um, depending on the person, we would it, we would meet in person, or we would meet on Zoom, or we would talk on the telephone, or a mixture of all of those things. So really, it just whatever is most effective for the person um, is what we'll do. Awesome. And so my next question would then be if someone is interested in getting um, some consultation by you, um, how would they find uh, more information or where you could you direct them to learn more about that? Oh, sure. So I have a website. It's run Rachel run R U N R A C H E L R U N dot com. And so it has a bio and some testimonials, but there's also a spot where um, you can get more information and book a book a session with me just to chat and discuss whether um whether we can work together and whether we would be a good fit excellent very cool well we are a pop culture show so i'm just going to ask you some lightning questions real quick um just for like what's your favorite movie favorite music favorite musical favorite book anything like that that you can just you know share with us give us a little bit more of who rachel is Oh, so many things. My gosh. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, favorite musical, Hamilton. Um, I've seen it too many times, and, <laughs> but yet not enough times. Uh, favorite book right now, I would say um, Jeanette McCurdy's book, um, I'm Glad My Mother is Dead. Oh. It was be just most recent favorite book. Well-written so raw and beautiful and don't let the title scare you um it's because <laughs> i mean i was on a plane reading it and i thought i would be i was being judged but i just let it go and kept reading the book <laughs> um let's see favorite movie oh gosh probably roman holiday with audrey hepburn nice um what else music and, what are you listening music? to right now Ooh, right now I've had a pause on music, but Radiohead, I've been looking back and listening to like old Radiohead mm -hmm. um, and then also um, some musical theater because I've been seeing a lot of shows. So I've been brushing up on my Mean Girls and Dear Evan Hansen that's touring right now. Nice. Oh, very cool. Did yeah. you see that the Grammys, we were just talking earlier about the Grammys and that best musical uh, theater or artist was uh, Into the Woods. 2022 uh release one it i was surprised i didn't even know they had a new uh broadway recording of that well, that is surprising. yeah i did hear that and of course you know dan and i did into the woods um in high school <laughs> went to a performing arts school um he was jack and so yeah we right you were jack uh i think no, it was the no, old no, no, man the old man. That's the right. old man. That's, yeah. That's right. You were the cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm wrong. Um, I had a fake beard then. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was a cool. Yes. That was cool. So I think Into the Woods has always been something really special for mm -hmm. me because one, it, I learned all of the music early on, but also it's such a tough score. Like Sondheim creates such beautiful, interesting, really hard music, and so when <laughs> when performed well. It's kind of a miracle because it's so challenging. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you say is one of your favorite performers? Ooh, favorite. In, in musical theater while we're on that topic. I would probably say Sutton Foster. Um, she, I saw her in a number of shows, Thoroughly Modern Millie, um, although it's such a weird, weird story. The music is fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. She is so authentic and wonderful and well-rounded and kind of quirky, which I appreciate because I am too. And so she's relatable and down to earth, but just a rock star. She's yeah. just a fantastic human and wrote a really great book during COVID um, about crafting and how 
every show and movie and or show that she's ever done, a, she was doing a craft during downtime. And so, so each finished product um, came from like working on a series or a musical. And so she brought together these um, two art forms that were really cool. That's pretty cool. Has writing a book ever occurred to you? You seem to have lived a very uh, diverse life with your your background and and your ability to give uh, advice to people on how to be a, a better performer, a stronger performer. Has that ever occurred to you that maybe book writing might be in your future? It has occurred to me early on. I thought I would write short stories because I have lived in lots of lives and in lots of places. <laughs> and there's some really funny things that have happened that I'm like, are you kidding? You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> um, and so I have started writing like a book of short stories, but I think, yeah, just for fun. But I think now that I'm working with clients and creating workshops, I think writing a book um, about that and about my transformation and how I got to this point um, could be helpful for others. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Awesome. Well, um, thank you very much, Rachel, for taking some time to chat with us today. Um, everyone, our audience will be on pins and needles waiting for your book. So <laughs> 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 not to put any pressure on you or anything, but <laughs> you better start getting the in front of the computer and typing that up for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Rachel, for for hopping on with the pop cult X with us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was nice meeting you. Lovely to meet you too. That was a really great interview. I mean, thank you so much for having your high school friend. Yeah, podcast. It's really cool. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I mean, to think that back then I was playing an old man, but now I am an old man. So, (laughs) (laughs) coming in with the dad jokes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I found that that. Um, you know, here at Pop Cult X, we obviously have our spin on things because we're part of the Gen X um, generation. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, obviously, being um, one of your contemporaries, is from that same generation. And it really right. speaks to, I think, her story on how we as a generation determined that, you know, we weren't going to be like our parents and stick to one thing and stick mm-hmm. into one thing and like focus on it. And then do what we were passionate about when we retired. As she mentioned, you know, she was a restaurant manager, uh, dance captain, performer, consultant. And I think it's made us that much stronger as Uh a person, knowing that we've had all these different experiences and we can really draw on them and and then do what we're passionate about. I mean, she obviously has a great passion for consulting and helping people reach their next level. Um, Whereas, you know, us, we've had our corporate gigs, we've, you know, done, um, you know, IT, we've done banking and finance, but then we also have our creative side with the photography and now with this podcast. And um, we're seeing, you know, that that we can have fun and enjoy ourselves, even though, you know, it wasn't the one thing that we initially at 19 said, oh, we have to go and start a podcast or be on the radio, which is something (laughs) to start now. So um, I very much appreciate that we've been able to do this podcast and that we found our little audience that likes to listen and watch us every now and then on YouTube and on Apple Music or Spotify. Um, so thank you to everyone who who has listened. Um, like and subscribe if this is your first time uh, listening to our podcast. We definitely appreciate it. Um, hit us up on all of our social media, on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And um, any other closing words, Danny? Um, no, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and... We'll see you at WonderCon. All right. Stay safe. (laughs) Bye, everyone.